0: we we just invite you here. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you've been here, that you are ministering, that you're moving. God, fill me with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit. Give us revelation from your word and transform us today. God, I don't want to leave this place the same way I walked in. God, would you change us to be more like your son? In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be going into the book of Acts today, and I love that um, Pastor Allen and the leadership here is walking through books of the Bible. Um, in Germany, literally the first seven months that we were there, we were, we were just looking at different churches and seeing where, where God would have us. And there was numerous occasions that the Bible was used as a prop but never once opened. And I was like, well, that would make sense why the church is in the state that it's in is because they don't know the word of God. They're not being taught the word of God. And for you guys going through books of the Bible and learning it, man, that's incredible. This is the word of life. This is, the word of God made flesh is Jesus. Every time we're opening this, we're learning about who he is. We're becoming more and more like him. And I'm so thankful that churches like this exist that are teaching you guys, that are discipling you in the word of life. Amen? And so what I'm going to do is we're just going to really quick recap where we've been in the previous chapters, because I want you to see the theme of what's going to actually be for the rest of the the book and for this chapter. And then we're going to dive into... our, our passages here. So chapter one, we see Jesus is ascending into heaven. He sends the, he tells the apostles, go and wait. Wait for what? Power, but from who? The Holy Spirit. Go and wait for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send him. The, the Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you and you're going to be endued with power, okay? Power to do what? To be witnesses, to continue the work of the ministry of jesus right it's incredible jesus fully man was under the full influence of the holy spirit and he did incredible signs wonders and miracles but when he when he left he said now that is available to all of you so the incredible things that i've been doing it's going to be duplicated on a wide scale because each and every one of us has the holy spirit the same spirit that raised christ from the dead is living and active within us amen and so that is what's happening. So the disciples, I lost my notes, the disciples go and they wait. Day of Pentecost happens. What happens? Holy Spirit shows up, fills the believers. In that moment, they, get, they receive the gift of tongues from the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden, they start proclaiming the greatness of our God in multiple languages. They say about 120 people, received this in that day. So 120 different languages. The day of Pentecost, all these people from around the world are now in the city of Jerusalem and they're hearing the praises of, of their God in their native tongue. This is not a common thing, okay? And so it opens up the opportunity for Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. You start to see the theme here. The Holy Spirit filled with the Holy Spirit preaches the first message of the church and 3,000 people are convicted by the Holy Spirit, drawn by the Holy Spirit, and come into salvation that day. Amen? So that is the day of Pentecost. Believers then met daily to receive teaching and discipleship. They broke bread together, which is fellowship, and they did life together. And they did something else that I, th- I find rather miraculous is the Holy Spirit brought unity amongst, amongst the church. You know that is impossible without the Holy Spirit. It is impossible for Baptists and Charismatics and Catholics and Lutherans and all this stuff to be able to partner together to see the fulfillment of the Great Commission if it not be for the Holy Spirit, whether that church believes in the Holy Spirit or not. It is the working of the Holy Spirit that brings unity, and we see that in the early church. Then a lame beggar gets healed by the power of the Holy Spirit and this draws the attention of the entire city of Jerusalem. Peter, again filled with spirit, speaks out his second sermon and thousands more come to salvation in Jesus because of this. And then the apostles get arrested and they testify to the religious leaders. They are banned from speaking in the name of Jesus and with all boldness, which is a sign that the Holy Spirit is within you, is boldness. You see that time after time. Throughout the scriptures, Peter and the apostles basically say, "You can take that job." And no, they don't say that. They say, "No, thank you very much. We can't, but we can't do anything else but speak in this name." And so they speak out in boldness. The church enters into an incredible time of communal living, where people are bringing their their resources together and sharing amongst each other, and nobody was in the, it was lacking. And so, I, I said this in the first service, and I'll say it here. It's an incredible sweet time here that the believers had. However, I want to make it clear for all of you guys that are like the, let's return back to the New Testament, early church days of communal living, and da 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 You see later on in Acts and through most of Paul's letters, that was not a sustainable model. It was a sweet time for that moment. You guys understand this. Everyone gave, but when you run out of money and you don't have any more possessions to sell, it's not sustainable. And Paul was actually going to the other churches to, to raise support to take a, an offering that they would send back to Jerusalem because of this. And so we know that this was an incredible moment captured in that time, but this is not, this is not the, the way that God intended it long-term. So get off this like whole, like let's live in a commune business. Get off of that. That's not, that's not what we're doing here. Okay? Yeah, it's true. So then Barnabas gained a reputation for his generosity in selling a plot of land, and all the sum of money, everything, went to the church, okay? So he gets this reputation of being generous, right? And that leads us into chapter 5, which is where we're going to be, which Pastor Alan uh, preached last week with Ananias and Sapphira, which as a minister of the gospel, let me just tell you, I'm really thankful Pastor Allen preached that sermon on Ananias and Sapphira rather than me, because that's a touchy subject. That's really, that is hard stuff. And so, anyway, I'm glad. I was like, thank you for not giving me Ananias and Sapphira. But there's important things here. So what they saw is they saw Barnabas get the recognition for doing this. They had a plot of land. They contrived this, plot to be able to deceive the believers, thinking that they could get away with it, not realizing that you cannot deceive the Holy Spirit. And then what we see here is the Holy Spirit execute judgment in that moment to purify his people. Okay? It was not Peter that executed judgment. It was the Holy Spirit did. And it led to Ananias and Sapphira's demise. They both died, and great fear came upon the people. And so the first thing that I want to hit today is, God, in this time, he was purifying his church. It's a very important thing for us today. It's something that, in our culture, it's taken more and more lightly. Uh, uh, Yeah, lightly. I was surprised, as probably most of you guys were with the reports of our vice president this week, how he's come under attack with trying to be above reproach and honor his wife and not... Succumb to, to temptation and not succumb to impurity. And all of a sudden, it revealed where our society is truly at. This is what we live in every single day. I don't pretend that it's an easy thing for us to live in. It. I live in Germany where nudity is like rampant. I don't, you can't go to a swimming pool. Like, that's a frightening place to be as a believer, you know? And so, like, there is immorality and impurity everywhere. But God has called his church to stand out and be different and to walk in purity, and we see that taking place here. And what happened in verse 11, it says, great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. 2 Peter 3.14 says, my friends, while you are waiting, waiting for what? While we are waiting for Christ's return. It says, while you are waiting, you should make certain that the Lord finds you pure, spotless, and living in peace. I um, I've often I, I I hear this a lot, and 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 I've contemplated it quite a bit. Like people asking the question, "Why don't we? Why don't we see the same signs, wonders, and miracles that we see in the early church? Why do we hear about it in other countries and da da da, and all this sort of stuff?" And and I I can't. I don't think I can answer that question on the whole, um, I think I can only turn it inwardly and look at myself. And this is probably more vulnerable than you want and probably than I want, but I think if I were to be really honest, um, I probably don't see that happening in my life because I don't see the purity that I really need to be walking in. I find myself time after time battling with the temptations that surround us And I think if you guys were to be honest with yourselves, you'd probably find yourself being in that same position. You want purity, but to walk in it and to really be aggressive in guarding yourself, those things we let our guard down time after time after time, and we find impurity seeping into the church. And it's brought hypocrisy, which is what we saw with Ananias and Sapphira, and it led to judgment, that led to fear, that led... To purity. And so, in your life, as I study the Word, one of the things that I do is I ask myself a series of questions. But one of the main things that I ask is, "How do I apply what I'm reading? How do I? What do I do with this? You know, when I read about Ananias and Sapphira, first of all, I'm not going to sell a plot of land and lie to you guys about it. That clearly that was a mistake. Um, but even more so, when I see God purging the church. I have to look at my own heart and say, God, what is in me that needs to be purified? And I would encourage you guys, even now, as I'm speaking, to ask that question of yourself. What in me needs to be purified? And that's something only the Holy Spirit can reveal to you. That's his job. He is the convictor of sin. And so if if he's revealing something to you right now, as I'm moving forward, I'm going to encourage you, just simply repent. God, I looked at this, I did this, I acted upon this, whatever it is. I need you to forgive me for the impurities and the immoralities in my heart, the wickedness that's within me. I need you to forgive me. And let's not beat ourselves up. Let's move on, because he's faithful and just to forgive. Amen? Amen. So the w- first thing that he did is he, pur- he purified the church. Then that purity produced power. Within the church. And that's what we see in verse 12. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their numbers. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their numbers. I think this verse is one of those things that this is making the main thing the main thing that we talked about with my daughter, is if there's one thing that I would want you to grab from this chapter in the book of Acts, is that the priority of what we do, the priority of why we're here, the priority of why you exist, is so that more and more men and women would believe in the Lord and were added to their number I find uh, the last year has been really challenging um, to me. Uh, It's been, it's really been kind of when you when you move the comforts of the life that you know here in the United States and you go to another country, everything gets challenged in your life. What you believe, how you think, everything gets challenged, and it's been a real struggle in my in my walk with the Lord to try to figure out how to line things up with Scripture. And faith has been one of those things that I've really had to grapple with in the last years. Like, why do I believe what I believe? Is what I believe accurate? Does it line up with Scripture? Am I thinking something false? Am I preaching something false to people? What is happening? And I think that within all of this, I've I've come to discover as I'm reading the Scripture that faith is the foundation for everything that we do. It's not just this one decision that we make. It's not just an empty statement that we say is like, oh, well, the Lord can deal with that. You know, it's like, it's not that, but it's the foundation for everything we do. We are saved by grace through, it's impossible p- to please the Lord without. We're healed by, we're delivered by, we receive, we are new creations by. Do you see what I'm saying? the foundation for everything. My marriage, the success of my marriage is based on my faith that Jesus is going to deliver me from my stupidity. You know what I'm saying? What are you trying to say? Anyway, um, like it's all based in this concept of faith. And the one thing that I've learned from the Germans that I really love is they're very systematic. They love their equations and their rules and their boxes. They just love it. There are times that drives me crazy, but they love it. And, um, and for me, when I was in high school, I, I don't know why, but I really was drawn to the kind of like mathematic things that just made sense. A squared plus B squared equals C squared. And all you students are like, shut up. That reminds me of school. Um, but, you, you know, it just, there were things that just made logical sense. And when the, when the scripture makes logical sense and it lays out for you the pattern in which things happen, I really try to take note of that. And in Romans chapter 10, It says, faith comes from what? Hearing and hearing through the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, not by conjuring up something, not by trying to muster up the faith. I don't know who started that doctrinal flaw, but it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with this word producing faith within me to accomplish the things that God has called me to Okay. A couple years ago, I, when I was youth pastor here, um, there was a, a girl in the youth group that uh, it, she was just going through a rebellious time. Like it was clear um, she was being a pill and uh, she came into my office all attitudey, and uh, she started just venting to me. And she's like, God doesn't speak to me anymore. I went to camp and God spoke and we went to this van and God spoke to me, but God doesn't speak to me. And I was like, you know, you have, you have sympathy because how many of us have been there where you just felt like, man, is, is God speaking? Like, Is there something wrong? What's going on? And, um, you know, in 22, in my infinite wisdom, you know, I, I, you don't, uh, I just didn't know what to say in that moment, and I, I was so thankful for the Holy Spirit to just sit there and drop this, like, on me. Like, it was clear that this was beyond my, my ability. And and I just like had this, I was like, ask her what she read last in the Bible. I was like, well, what did you read last? What, what are you reading right now in the, in the scripture? And she's like, well, I'm not reading the Bible. Like, it's, I just, I don't read the Bible. I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> found the problem. Um, that, that right there is your issue because the reality is, is every time I open this word, God opens his mouth. He wants to speak to us. I don't have to conjure it up. I don't have to get these emotional vibes and the goosebumps and all this sort of stuff. I just have to open this up and I'm like, oh, this is what God's saying. And he speaks through his word. It's a proven thing that has been successful for thousands of years. Why are we trying to reinvent this? There's no need. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When I'm tested in an area, I love being able to open scripture and seeing guys battle through it and seeing the faithfulness of God time after time after time. I can develop a track record by reading this, but then it applies to my life. If I could go through the last eight years of my life with you guys, just sit down with you and go after trial after trial after trial, testing after testing, and the times where I was just broken and thinking, man, I don't know how God's going to do this. Every single time, it was going back to the scripture and seeing God's faithfulness that brought faith in my heart to be able to continue to press on to what God had called me to. And I've seen God be faithful. He proves himself time after time after time. And so, this purity produces power within the body of Christ. And that power comes as the word of God produces faith in God that reveals the power of God in our life. Let me say that one more time. The word of God produces faith in God that reveals the power of God in my life. Jesus did not live. Jesus lived on every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. That is the son of God, the Messiah, if he did it, so should we, okay? Verse 15, as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that all, at, at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and some of them were healed. Is that what your Bible says? No, all of them were healed. All of them were healed. You know, um, I, I love that this does not say that Peter's shadow healed people. It's that people laid out in hopes that Peter's shadow would pass by them, that they might be healed. Now clearly, this is written, the book of Acts is written by Dr. Luke, okay? A physician, okay? When it comes to healing, I would think this man would be somewhat of an expert In that. And so, if you read deeper and you look at Jewish culture, you actually find that this is a a common Jewish superstition at the time that if a shadow of a wicked man, uh, uh, of an evil man, fell on you, that you were cursed. In inverse of that, if the shadow of a righteous man fell on you, you'd be blessed. That was the mentality of that, which is why we see that taking place here. Now, I don't think that Dr. Luke would write that there if the shadow passing by didn't create some sort of faith that peop- that, were, that was partnered with the Holy Spirit and people were healed. I'm sure that happened. That's probably why it's in there. Okay? It's the same reason that in uh, the Gospels with the woman that was bleeding for 12 years. You remember this story where she just thought in her mind, man, if I could just touch the hem of Jesus' robe, then I could be healed. It wasn't Jesus' robe that healed her, right? We know that. Because Jesus said, stop, time out, wait. Power has left me, not my, not my robe. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I think within the charismatic circles, we have gotten into this place, especially you watch the telev- evangelism and it's like, send this money in and get this a holy oil and get this da 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 and all this sort of stuff. You know, this sweat rag that I had, it's anointed, you know? Don't buy that garbage. Yeah. Sweat rag. It's holy sweat. Holy and putrid, that's what it is. Don't buy into this garbage. Don't get the gimmicks of of the modern, uh, of what you're seeing out there. The reality is, is... Peter didn't possess the power. His shadow didn't possess the power. The Holy Spirit possessed the power. And he works through people just like you and just like me. So purity produces power. Now power will always have pushback. Let's look at verse 17. Then the high priest and all the associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and they put them in public jail. Well, that didn't work out too well. How many of you guys have like, thought to yourself, like, man, I am like serving the Lord. I'm giving, a, you know, I'm being faithful with tithes and offerings, and I'm serving in church, and I'm doing all this thing. And why is this happening? I'm sure that's a common... T- I've thought it. I mean, let's just be honest. It's like, what? What is going on here? I thought I was spiritual. I mean, these guys were preaching the gospel and healing the sick, and it did not turn out so well here. Anytime that God operates in our life, first of all, let me say, this, say it this way. When, when you came into salvation with Jesus Christ, 1 John says that he put his seal upon your heart by the Holy Spirit, and he calls you mine. That's what he says. You are a child of God, an heir to the King of kings and the Lord of lords incredible privilege that we have okay and and yet within this there is no easy path that ends with no conflict and no challenges satan is not play fair and he's not going to just sit there and be like oh you're filled with power oh you're you're becoming more like jesus oh you're influencing people around you oh I'm just going to step aside. Good job. Good job. No, he's going to push back. It's the way that God has worked throughout the ages. We see it in Scripture. Think about Joseph. I mean, Joseph, he has this dream that his brothers are going to bow before him and that he's going to rule over him, right? I mean, how many of you guys' is, like, siblings would be like, that's awesome? That would be awesome. My sister's actually here. <laughs> If you'd like, no. Um, you know, we we all think about like as kids. You're like, how cool would that be? Well, the kid did what a teenager would do. He's like, hey, I'm going to tell my brothers. What happens? The brothers are like, yeah, okay. We're selling you to those guys. You're a slave now. Yeah, I mean, seriously, serious pushback. And then God promotes him as a slave. He becomes second in command in Potiphar's house, who's an official in Egypt. And then his wife, Potiphar's wife, accuses him of indecency, and he gets thrown in jail. Talk about pushback. But what happens? The Lord promotes him. Same with Moses. Man. Moses. Moses is called to be the deliverer of the people, and what happens, he gets chased out of town for 40 years. <laughs> like, that doesn't sound fun. Hey. Uh, you got to go in the wilderness now. Go to the desert for 40 years. Oh, and 10 sheep. Yeah, deliver of my people. Like, he goes in the wilderness for 40 years. Then God calls him back by a supernatural thing, a burning bush that's not burning, but is burning and speaks to him. I mean, how crazy is that? And so he goes back, becomes the deliverer, and then he has to, he has to like lead the largest group of whining people Ever known to man. May, I mean, the millennial generation right now might be close, but at that time, that was the biggest whining. I'm just kidding, millennials. Just kidding. Kinda. Anyway, so he, he has to lead these people that just nag and whine and complain. There's pushback at every turn in his life. David, David's a great one. Teenager, gets anointed to be king. What happens? Hey, why don't you come and you work as, as uh, an aide to the king? Oh, and that king is going to spend the next 27 years trying to kill you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this is hardcore pushback. I mean, I, and we all face it. Every single one of you got your lives right now. You're in some sort of pushback. And I don't know what the situation is that you're dealing with. I don't have to know. The Lord does know. The Lord does know. In fact, Jesus promised. He said, in this life, in this world, you will have troubles. Man, that's a good, man, that's an encouraging word, Andy. Whew. Yeah, oh, I received troubles, yeah. Pause. There's another part to this. But take heart. I have overcome. The world, wherever you're at, whatever you're dealing with, whatever struggles, trials, pushback that is in your face that seems unbearable, take heart, he has overcome the world. Verse 19 But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the door of the jail and brought them out. Go and stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people about this new life. What new life? Christ's abundant life. Now, I have to really, um, really kind of laugh. Sometimes I read the Word and I find it really amusing, which I know it's not a comedy routine, but sometimes you just like, okay, this would not be my ideal. I, get, I preach the gospel, I'm healing the sick, I'm casting out demons, and I get arrested. And your great idea, God, is for me to go back to the place that I got arrested and do the exact same thing that I got arrested for. And I find it really comical that this is the way that the Lord works a lot of times. That he provides, in the midst of pushback, he provides opportunity for perseverance. He could have sit there and said, run for the hills. Get out of here. But he said, no, I want you to go back. I want you to go back and I want you to do the exact same thing early in the morning. So pushback provides opportunity for perseverance. Verse 21, at daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there, so they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with guards standing at the doors, but we opened them, and we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering, what this might lead to. Of course they were. People are being transformed. They're wondering uh, what's going to happen with this, okay? And then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with the officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared the people would stone them. Then the apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin and questioned by the high priest. Again, this is time number two. We gave you strict order not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. First thought is, they were guilty. Okay, let's keep that in mind. They were guilty. But this pushback, this, this process of pushback produces perseverance. I, Jess and I, um, many years ago, I think we were still dating. Um, we had a mentor uh, of ours in Colorado that, we sat down with. And this, this woman is just one of those women that you're just like, every time you're around them, I, I, I just want to know Jesus more when I'm around this woman. She's just full of faith, full of wisdom and knowledge. and we, She's become a really dear friend of ours. And uh, she was just sitting down and sharing wisdom with us. And she's like, you know, the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I realize that following Christ is a series of saying yes over and over and over again. For those of you that are mature believers and been walking with Christ, you know that to be true. You're like, yeah, huh, it really is. He says, hey, I want you to do this. And you go do it. Hey, I need you to take this job. Yes, Lord. Hey, I want you to go to this school. Okay, yes, Lord. I want you to get this degree. Okay, yes, Lord. I want you to talk to that person Yes, Lord. I want you to go to this church. Yes, Lord. It's a series of just saying yes over and over and over again. And I I fear within, especially the Western church and and probably the church as a whole, that we've made things more complicated in following Jesus. We've made it about what we have to do or what we don't have to do We've made it about all these methods and standards and all this sort of stuff that has not produced life in people's hearts. It's not produced maturity in them, but more turmoil. And the reality is, is there is a simple devotion in following Jesus. And it's just saying yes. It doesn't have to be this grand thing. Not everyone here is called to Berlin, Germany, which I, somebody told me this last week that that was so brave of us. I responded, I was like, I think it was more insanity on our parts. I don't, not everyone's called to do what we're called to do, and I'm not called to do what you're called to do. I don't have the opportunities before me that you do. But our responsibility is to say yes. And pushback will always provide opportunity for us to persevere to not give up, to keep pressing through. Verse 29, Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on the cross. That's hardcore. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Purity produces power. Power will lead to pushback. Pushback provides opportunity for perseverance and perseverance will always find its path to your purpose. It will always provide a platform for your destiny. These apostles, not many people got. Uh, not many people got the opportunity to stand before the Sanhedrin and the high priests to state their case. This is not. This is not like. I mean, this would be like me having to go before the Pope and having to correct them of fallacies of their beliefs. That's what these guys are doing. It's a really big deal here. But this was their purpose, and this was their destiny. They got an audience that nobody else got. And right now, you guys have an audience that nobody else gets. I don't get it. Pastor Allen doesn't get it. You have an audience with people that are in need of this new life that the angel of the Lord called them to go back and, and proclaim Net that audience may be your family members, your unsafe family members. If you're a parent, your audience is definitely your children. Maybe your coworkers, maybe your employer, your employees, and maybe your classmates for you students. Might be your favorite barista at Starbucks. But you get a platform to be able to be light and salt and, the lo- and to demonstrate the love of Jesus to a world that's very, very dark. Where we're at, Berlin, is the suicide capital of the world. We we have about six months of weather like this out of the year. It's not thundering and lightning, but it's raining and cold. Six months of it. I understand what depression feels like when you don't see the sun for six months. We've walked through it. We've walked other people through it but that's our platform. Who is your platform? Who's your audience that you can influence? Because in the end, keeping the main thing the main thing, God's goal is that more and more men and women would believe in the Lord and be added to their numbers. Christ came to seek and save that which is lost. We have a world that truly is in need of new life. And you and I are the ones called to make Christ known. This is your purpose. This is my purpose. Our mission is not inside the walls of this building. It's when we leave. We have a sign at um, the church we attended in Florida, and it was on the exit of all all the exits of the, the church property. And it uh, said, Now leaving... Or, now entering the mission field. There's just this reminder that we're all called to do this. You guys are just as much a missionary as I am in this world. You have an audience. Let's be faithful to it. Let's reveal Christ to the people around us. Love them the way that Christ did and say yes in the moments that God gives us the opportunity to persevere. Amen? I'm going to ask Shake to come on up here. We're going to close here in a second. And as he's coming, um, there's two things that I want us to do here. Uh, We're going to pray for two groups of people. The first is this. Some of you in this room, I don't know all of you guys here. I don't know your story. I don't know if everyone in this room knows Jesus or if people here don't know Jesus. But what I do know this is, it is my responsibility to make sure that you have every opportunity in this life to respond to Jesus and to make him Lord and Savior of your life. Your, need, your greatest need and my greatest need here it has nothing to do with our happiness. It has nothing to do with us doing what makes us feel good. Your and my greatest need is forgiveness. It's something that I cannot earn with the Lord. It's something you cannot earn with the Lord. The Bible says that your and my sins separate us from a holy God. And what Christ did is He came and He took on the punishment that you and I deserve. Death. It's what we deserve for our sins. He took on that punishment so that we might be forgiven, so that we might be cleansed, so that we might walk in the purity of life to see God operate in power in our lives to experience the joy of pushback, which Jesus said, the joy of suffering. (laughs) To be able to experience us walking in the purpose and the destiny God's called us to. Some of you today, you do not have a a, a destiny that's found in eternity with God. And today is the day of salvation for you. As I'm speaking to you right now, I know that the Holy Spirit is saying, this is you. This is you. Today is your day. You need to come. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask, if that is you, for you to raise your hand, I'd like to pray a prayer with you in this room. I'm not going to take a lot of time. If that's you, I just want to ask you to respond right now. I'm going to pray this prayer. And if that is you, whether you raised your hand or not, I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me. This prayer is not a magical thing. It's just a a declaration of our trust in, in our Savior. Just repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to rescue me. thank you that you took on my sin and my shame on that cross. And Jesus, in accordance with your word, I believe in my heart that you, Jesus, are Lord. Right now, I surrender control over to you. AND I BELIEVE THAT GOD RAISED YOU, JESUS, FROM THE DEAD. AND RIGHT NOW, GOD, I'M ASKING YOU TO COME AND CHANGE ME, FOR YOU TO FILL ME WITH YOUR HOLY SPIRIT, THAT I MIGHT WALK OUT WHAT YOU HAVE CALLED ME TO IN THIS LIFE. IN JESUS' NAME, AMEN. SECOND THING I WANT TO DO IS IF YOU'RE A PRAYER PARTNER, I WANT YOU TO COME TO THE FRONT want to ask you, we're just going to pray for some people here. And all of you guys, you're somewhere along this process that we saw the early church walking through. Some of you guys, you just need to get right with the Lord. Just like, man, I have been running. I really haven't been following Christ. I've been doing my own thing. So you just need to come up and just confess that. Have believers here that can pray for you and encourage you in your walk with